0: All right, everybody. I think you must be sick and tired of the music by now. At least I am. I should look for a better loop. I was fiddling around with YouTube Live in the background, but I think it should be working on the on the YouTube URL. Um, maybe Soha can paste the URL in here. I think it is actually up and running, and there's 12 million people already. I was just kidding. Uh, 12 people. Only. <laughs> so we could use... We can use some of your comments here. I'm gonna paste the YouTube URL here to everyone. And you can spread the news on social media, please, that we're live and kicking. So today, uh, another session here on, uh, with a digital conference. Uh, welcome, everybody. This has become a really, really hot thing once a week. And even though we're all confined to our homes, you can actually talk to each other. On my end, I can safely say I've been talking more to people than ever before, <laughs> which is an interesting twist. Uh, so let me introduce people first, and then we'll we'll kick off with the first presentation. So we start in the top left here, Celine. Hello, Celine. Nice to meet you. Uh, Celine is from a company It's called We Need Social, and she is the engagement leadership advisor, and she'll going to talk more about what she does shortly. She'll be the third one in the presentations today. And on the lower left, if you can see it that way, that's Didier Marier. He is an old friend of mine, also from Switzerland, French-speaking Switzerland. And um, he runs in a company called the Enablers Network. He's also a features agency member. He's a business school professor. I've done many, many exciting things with the It's really great to have your board in on this one too, going virtually, okay. struggling. You know, we're all struggling with Zoom, but you know, we can, we can make it work. Thank you for being here to both of you. Uh, and of course, there's Soha. Soha with the army of robots behind her. Uh, Soha is the moderator and the host for all of the chats and the questions so is she's in charge of who gets to say what Uh, so so be nice to her (laughs) and she may disappear from time to time but she's always there she's going to take care of your chats Uh, briefly before we go into the subject matter here most important thing is if you want to ask questions please use the question tool okay Uh, don't use the chat use the chat for whatever else you want if you want to send a message talk to everybody else or just send me a message you can do all of those things on the chat, but if you want to ask a real question, use the question tool, uh, there's also an upvoting tool. So if you like a question by somebody else, you can upvote it yourself, and then Soha can pick the most important one, okay? If you intend to speak uh, and use audio and video, which would be great, of course, if you want to raise your hand, there's a hand raise tool that you can just raise your hand, and then we'll take you in when we can. Please be patient, it may take a little while. When you do finally get to speak, please uh, only raise your hand if you actually want to ask a question or contribute something. You have 30 seconds. Right, This is a real-time show. After that, we'll cut you off. Okay, (laughs) Make sure your audio and video is working if you raise your hand. Uh, Soha will have a little chat with you before you go live then on the feed. Uh, Final reminder, everything you do here is public and live on YouTube and in perpetuity. All right, so uh, whatever you say, whatever you do here is going to be on the tape, right? Uh, so it's great to have you here. Let's let's dive in. Unless there's any urgent questions, oh, there's already one question. That's good. Whatever you do, don't hit the end meeting button. That's on the lower right down there. That's what will kick you out. Okay. Uh, we are going to publish everything on uh, YouTube, of course, is live now, and on my blog, futuristguy. There's going to be if you just check the blog post. Um, there is a, um, an interesting addition to that. I'm gonna put up all the slides, all of the images, the presentations, and the audio and the video of the whole thing in about two hours after the event. So futurewithgert.com. To get going, uh, we're gonna do a quick poll, okay? The polling feature is very simple. And the first poll is this one. Um, that is the poll that asks who you are. You have several choices. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. Are you in a leading position now? Are you preparing to become a leader? I think this is multiple choice i 'm not sure <laughs> I always forget which one is which, but um, I think you 'll enjoy this poll and we 're going to publish it later just to see I'll, I can share the results with you later um, there 's quite a few people here on the live feed. We have one hundred and eighty people live at this time and are expecting more so interesting, yeah we can 't poll ourselves because you know we 're panelists we don 't get to do those things. Um, but it's coming in, so uh, quite a few people, 50% are saying they're in the leading position right now, which is interesting, that's great. I work for a large company, 48%, right? self employed, 24%, based in Europe, that's 67%, that's a good number. Uh, South America, 12% at this point, and North America as well. Uh, and Asia, 8%. So keep voting. Uh, we're going to do this several times. okay? On Some of them, we have multiple choice. They're all anonymous. Right? We're going to publish on our website, so uh, don't worry about that part of it. right? But again, everything you say on the chat, everything that goes in there is in there, and we're not going to do any editing there. Right? So it's interesting to see 52% on the leading position right now. Uh, on the voting, generally speaking, you have to be quick because we don't do the voting for very long, so there's still 30 people that haven't voted. So put your vote, when I end the poll, then you're locked out, you don't get to contribute. Okay, thanks very much for doing this. Okay, I'm gonna end the poll because, and we can dive into the first round, okay? Well, I'll share the results with you briefly, might as well, right? So a lot of Europeans here, um, people in leading positions, self-employed people, great. Uh, we need to get more Africans in here, that's for sure. Okay, well, thanks very much for for doing this. I'm gonna stop sharing. and put this somewhere else, okay. So um, I wanna kick off with, with a uh, an interesting new thing I've developed using Zoom, uh, who's now a partner, by the way, for this, uh, for this streaming series here. Um, I'm using a new thing with a background I'll show you shortly. Instead of using my usual fancy keynotes, I'm using a background thing. I do wanna kick it off with a, with a really interesting video I just found this morning. I think when we talk about leadership, United Nations, general secretary antono antonio Guterres. he is going to give us a little greeting i've invited him to uh, to go live with us but you know, just kidding he was he was there before but Here he is. Let's see if we can get him live.
1: There is uh, an effective uh, dysfunctionality in way all this is happening. We have not a global governance system. Of course, the World Health Organization is the UN authority on health. They have issued guidelines, but many of the countries have not respected them or sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, So the only way out is through effective international cooperation. And I believe the G20 can be the nucleus of that international cooperation, aiming at acting together in an articulated way. But uh, look, I mean, this is not only the COVID-19, if uh, you look at peace and security i mean uh, the relationship between the biggest powers have never been as dysfunctional the security council has been paralyzed in relation to many of the conflict situations in the world Uh, for climate change it has been so difficult to bring people together so we are witnessing a serious problem and that problem is that international cooperation has not ever, never been at this low level, and we need to make sure people understand that as threats are becoming global, COVID-19 is another one, climate change already existed, Peace and terrorism, global terrorism is there. As these threats are becoming global, we effectively need to have a very strong commitment to international cooperation and to strengthen multilateral institutions. Are you so- I know: this-
0: So um- Yeah, pretty, pretty hefty message as far as leadership is concerned. He goes on later to say that we're essentially facing a dysfunctional system. Uh, And I think this is a great debate when we talk about Europe, right? (laughs) Uh, Not just the U.S., which we'll talk about also later. Uh, Before I go into my part, uh, attaching to Antonio's generalist contribution, I want to say how it works. I would do seven minutes each. Of course, that's a huge challenge. You know, usually I speak about 70 minutes, but we'll do seven, seven minutes each. And then we're going to have a quick debate with the three of us, and then the next presenter, and at the very end, we're going to do all of the Q and A, all the questions. And there's no real tough limit on time here, but you know, after about fourteen hours, and no, I'll just get an hour and a half. Uh, that's kind of the time frame, and uh, that's already kind of long, right? So let me start here um, with my part, and bring uh, this up here so you can see the speaker. Over here. So I think you know it's quite clear. This is pale blue dot from Carl Sagan. Uh, we're now moving into an entirely different world. Uh, there is a world before Corona and there's a word after Corona. Um, And everybody that's out there waiting, basically saying, uh, you know, we're gonna wait this out and then it's gonna go back to normal, will be heavily disappointed, right? I read up on this yesterday and Bill Gates says 18 months for a vaccine, right? Uh, Other people are saying two years for kind of an economic discovery, uh, recovery. So you may be able to go back to a restaurant, you may be able to go into a small venue, but traveling like we used to, 1,000 people events, Music, uh, you know people are suffering from money. Uh, this is a real deep cut right? And this cut requires leadership. It requires us to do things that we didn't used to do before like this, right? This is what we're doing now, right? So we are working remotely, which is bizarre when you think about it uh, Because it's very hard to actually connect with people uh, You know, like I do usually on stage. I see people crying or, or, or falling asleep I can react to it here, but I can't see you, right? So I think this is a new way of working that requires different kind of leadership, right? Um, And I've um, I've recently uh, started calling this kind of area that we're in right now, not the Great Depression, which some people are saying, or the Great Recession, but I'm calling this uh, the Great Transformation. I think we're going to take all the pieces of the ecosystem that we had before, money, healthcare, government, security, safety, energy, and all of that is in the process of reboot, right? Just imagine, for example, the role of government, you know, how dramatically that will be enlarged in the future, whether we like it or not. I mean, that's, of course, if we have an autocratic government, that could not be such a good thing, right? But the role of government is growing, right? and this is crucial. I think we can expect that to be a major, major thing in the future this sort of great transformation of things that, that's coming. And I think it's really quite clear, this quote here from Milton Friedman, which I don't usually like quoting, uh, but Milton said this years ago, in I think the 60s, right? only crisis produces real change. And when that crisis occurs, the, the actions that are taken depend on the ideas that are lying around. And that's what leadership is to me. The ideas that are lying around today, we have to put them out there because this is the time where people are going to say, what is lying around, right? What can we do that is different than before? We're not gonna go back to the old normal from last year, no matter what we're saying in terms of economic projection. There's so many things like, for example, once people are used to working from home, you know, will they continue to work from home? Yes, yeah. Do they have to ask their bosses for permission? Yeah. And then, of course, we have huge power shifts in politics, right? I call this the Zeus moment for the US. You know, the ZueS moment was in for the UK in the 50s uh, when they uh, didn't react correctly, what happened with the with the ZueS Canal, right? And then afterwards, the UK was no longer an empire, right? And now we're here in America, we can safely say uh, America will no longer be an empire for, for many, many reasons, right? But for reasons of saying, how did they react to this crisis? I mean, we'll talk about that later, right? But losing leadership, right? losing leadership on this topic is the Suez Canal moment for the US. And now we have... Uh, Horari, for example, the Israeli author, he writes that uh, in this battle against the virus that uh, humanity lacks leadership. And I would say that's partly true and partly not true, but uh, it's a little bit polarized right now. But I do see people coming out and and taking leadership that I didn't expect, Uh, and also positive things. But generally speaking, that is a concern, especially for us here in Europe, right? This is the European map, just in case you didn't recognize it, right? So Europe, right? I mean, this is the make it or break it moment for Europe. Right? I mean, what we need, in my view, is unconditional solidarity to show leadership to absolutely everyone. $500 billion in all kinds of whatever they come up with, uh, yeah, that's not going to be enough. It's $2 trillion in the U.S., right? I mean, we're going to have to figure out how to take leadership and the commission needs to really get on with it, right? And the Germans and the Dutch and, you know, it. We need solidarity, right? This is true leadership in the age of crisis. Because this kind of idea that I've talked about for years, right, this is either going to happen now, which I think it will, right, or it's going to crumble. Right? Because the, the Commission and the European government really has to make sure that we feel united. Right? If you can say one thing about America, right? Americans usually do the wrong thing. This is what uh, the right thing. This is. what Winston Churchill said. But after they've exhausted all other possibilities, which is an interesting quote, right? So you can see they have $2 trillion now coming in funds, right? And this is, by the way, this is kind of like, you know, we are dumbstruck. <laughs> we need to really step this up and come together as, as a UMP nation, because in the end, this is what is defeating the virus, right? Global collaboration, leadership in healthcare, leadership in science, believing in science, you know, this has sort of gotten lost in America to some degree, Right, and that is the future of you know, connecting with each other. Look at this stat here from um, Statista. Right? Half a billion people could be pushed into poverty. This is why I don't think we're going to go back to normal. Right? I mean, here in Switzerland, we don't have poverty on, on, on you know in that in that way that you have. But think about Brazil, India, Nigeria, right? and that wave of COVID is just about to hit them. We're going to need some serious leadership to equalize and create equality after this, right? This is a huge opportunity, but also clearly solidarity over money, right? That's a tough one for Germany, for example, given what what has happened in Greece before. Uh, So the other thing that's coming after COVID is this, right? I mean, we we have to be sure that this is the next big crisis. It's gonna be another pandemia. Of course, we will have those, but climate change is a 1,000x of the challenge of Corona. And it's right here, right? Now we're learning how we can do emergency things like stay at home. The next thing is going to be climate emergency, right? Carbon taxes for flying, and that is going to take a huge amount of leadership, right? Imagine just politicians, public officials, mayors, right? ourselves. And, you know, clearly climate change is the next big thing, right, coming up. So. Yeah, I would safely say that the future is not an extension of the present, right? No matter what you think of the present as being good or bad, the future will be different because all of the conditions are changing around it. Right? Uh, and right now, I would say as a futurist, you know, right now is, is the time where it's in, almost impossibly hard to say anything about the future, right? Because <laughs> it's all up for like, you know, short-term change. Uh, could go either way. But I think we need to have leaders that understand the future political leaders, practical leaders, business leaders, and when you watch Bill Gates, for example, he's been on on various shows last week, you you can clearly realize that that he has an idea of what's coming, an intuition, an imagination, not just a calculation. And here's the good thing, right? In the world's fight against corona, female leaders are showing the way this has been a fantastic thing the last three months, you know, not just miracle, but, but of course, Jacinda in New Zealand, right? Then of course, Finland, and the Marine, in Denmark, in Belgium, right? In Iceland. I think this is clearly showing you now the, the combination of EQ and IQ that men are sometimes missing. Right? Women are coming in and taking over. I think this is the future, right? Women and younger people. And we see that happening everywhere. And I think this is the end of populism, by the way, also as another discussion point. I'm going to wrap up by saying, you know, here in beautiful Switzerland, where I'm sitting right now, my view isn't quite like this, but the trust question is a big question. Right? And you can safely say that Swiss people are, are generally trusting the government a lot. Right? This is completely different than many other countries. Also, of course, because we're a rich country, right? But again, Harari says about this, today humanity faces the crisis, not just because of the virus, but due to the lack of trust between humans. And I think this is one thing we have to do as leaders. We have to generate that trust between humans. Right? Uh, and that's how we're gonna get the solutions. Uh, and that's in my view, a very much a human thing. So here, um, this is a, a, a piece of content taken from our latest movie on COVID-19, in the post-corona future. So I think what we need to do is reinvent. This is a great time to reinvent, talk to each other, right? collaborate, to go on with our lives, uh, to trust each other. Very, very big point, I think. And to also to be human. I think this is the key part, The last part is the key part because I think it is human to make mistakes, but it's not such a good idea to keep repeating mistakes. Right? So I would take this as, as a summary of my presentation. Uh, and now I'd like to open it up for questions. Thanks very much. Let's, uh, let's hear what you have to say. Any questions, guys? Please speak away, or do we take questions from the audience? We have five Q and A's. You guys want to chime in? Please. Did you?
2: I like the I like the comments um, from from uh, probably somebody from Italy. Italy women are not taking over. Uh, they are more inclusive in the way they lead, and they probably have better listening skills. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah that, it's, that's it's for sure. It's not about opposing <laughs> men and women, of course. Yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, of course not. Yeah, not taken over in that sense, not in the male sense, right? <laughs> but, uh, but I think this is definitely uh, now going finally in the right direction. Uh, and, you know, I think if, if a government was like New Zealand, we'd be much better off in so many ways. But, of course, New Zealand is very unique in that regard. There's somebody on the same wavelength
2: saying, asking you, Gertz, uh, Ger- so or maybe you, Celine, so the future of leadership is female, question mark?
0: Yeah, you know that's a very good question. <laughs> I I think basically I I we mentioned last week in the future of work on the last week's event that EQ was taken over from IQ. Right? I think Einstein once said a an entity that's intelligence only is an extremely dangerous thing with a man or a machine. Right? And so we've we've gone on this IQ thing for a long time, but now we move into a world where we have to be more human. We have to understand each other. right? I don't know if that's female or not, that's an impossible question, but it certainly seems like research is telling us that EQ is something that comes easier to women.
3: Um, Why do you think it's the end of populism?
0: You know, I think that basically um, you can see right now that most countries that have been run by people who are not in a a sort of commonly approved position have not done very well with this. Um, You could say, however, of course, extreme autocrat countries, or let's say, uh, not democratic countries, say maybe like China as an example, right? They've done quite well, at least that's what the numbers tell us, right? We don't know the real numbers. But populists are not doing well because they haven't done the right thing, right? And I I would forecast, you know, I I said in my 12 bullets a couple of weeks ago that I think Trump will not mention the word re-election again, um, given that he has done all the things, you know, pretty much everything wrong except for the $2 trillion. until now, and now he even wants to let people back on the street. So I think populism is is, is defeated right? just because it has shown not to work. Right? But then again, there are other movements where we see more extremism, right? Uh, and like in Israel, we're seeing the trend towards a sort of surveillance state, right? Um, so I'm not so sure that it's going to be that easy, but let's take some questions. Or, yeah, shall we? Okay. So I need quite a few. Mm-hmm. already quite a few okay Busse. uh again please look at the questions and upvote them that would be great so we can sort them better uh busse says will this crisis strengthen the eu so i'll leave that to you guys to so jump into that puddle first yeah did you don't let me go first on this one <laughs> You know, it's, uh... I, certainly,
2: I certainly believe it questions it uh, Gert, um, one of the things you know if you, if you go back to what happened in Italy at the beginning when the Italians uh, tried to warn everyone and that was received by sarcastic smiles is of course you know Italians they can't even track the virus and uh, why should we be, be worried so these sorts of, 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 of behaviors and stereotypes we hold on each other are not very helpful There's also something I'd like to, not correct, because I don't think anyone is right or wrong, but we tend to depict the Dutch and the Germans as as selfish and, and bad because they don't want to lend money. You know, what I understand from these countries is that they're very happy to lend money, but not lend money to do more of the same. There's a condition. I agree with you that we should be unconditionally solid, you know, unconditional solidarity. But it's not about buying out old industries so that they can continue business as usual. And we we would miss as a collectivity the the, the huge change that we are uh, to do.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, look look at the reality of things. I think if we do not have unconditional solidarity and eurobonds and funding of the same size or larger than the US, then what are we going to have in return, right? It's crime, terrorism, immigration, uh, uh, people with trouble, people out of work, 50% unemployment in Italy, and on and on and on it goes, right? How good could that be? So for me, it's more like, uh, yeah, it's probably a lesser evil, you know, if we just move ahead and, and, and do what needs to be done uh, and then figure out how to strengthen. I personally think that Europe will come out uh, out of this crisis as what I call the United States of Europe, but it will be very painful, right? I think that whole debate is that's clear. And that's going to be the next year and a half, right? So uh, yeah, you have all different positions on this, but it can not be the North versus the South, you know, that is just, yeah. And I think, you know, here in Switzerland, of course, you know, I'm German, but I live in Switzerland. So we are, we're watching from the sidelines. Yeah, Celine, you have a comment?
3: I'm holding my breath. I'm, uh, um, I'm uh, terrified of what could happen if, solidarity didn't take over uh, selfishness. Um, The European ideal is uh, such a beautiful and historically relevant one. It means so much uh, to peace and prosperity, and it would be, but it has already been harmed uh, over the last 10, 15 years. Um, So I'm really not sure that in this time of deep crisis, um we we can see already all problems being solved i'm hopeful though i mean I'm, i i want to be hopeful so i'm i'm still holding my breath i can't be optimistic at this stage yeah i really don't want to be pessimistic
0: well to, to tick off the question Didier, Do you have a comment there uh no
2: well if you were going to build alone on celine's point i'll let you build <laughs> because i think that's then a good question for both of you
0: yeah, there's quite a few good questions and hard, and hard ones too. I, I tend to think that this is a make it or break it moment for Europe and I would like to do everything I can to contribute to the making it. Because yeah. in the end, I think that's our only choice in Europe is to go into the future, is to go united. Okay. Um, and so this is yeah, definitely a point that we need to look at. Uh, uh, th- there's a question that relates to this, right? The second one from Anwar J- Junabjoy says, do you honestly think that we'll be even more human or is it just a short phase before we return to proper winning? Rich and strong will exploit the poor and weak. Oh, well, that's some hefty question here. Didn't you read my book? <laughs> uh, well, guys, you wanted to jump on this first. I'll give you some time to think and hold the monologue in the meantime, if you want. That's
2: usually what I used to respond to Anwar when we did our MBA together a long time ago
0: at IMD. <laughs> so. I can recognize the gentleman there.
2: Thank you. And that's a very good question.
0: Yeah, well, I think think what's happening right now is first, I think we're finding out that it's important to be human, right? Talking to each other, seeing each other, connecting to each other. That's why we're doing these things for free, right? And and this is why we're doing things that we haven't done before. I've never talked to as many people in my life in the last six weeks, right? Uh, And we're finding out how important it is to be human. And I think that's not going to go away. I think we're going to take that as a lesson how important it is to do something that is not just profit and growth. Uh, We're also, I think, you know, the coronavirus, as I said before, is only phase one of several waves of crises, right? Uh, The second one after corona, of course, is climate change. And we're gonna have to figure out how to get on the same page or our kids will not enjoy the planet, right? Uh, And that's already coming pretty clear. The next one after that is artificial intelligence, singularity, all these things, right? So I'm convinced that by pressure of things going wrong, We can corral together. We've pretty much always done that, actually. I mean, look what happened in Nagasaki, Hiroshima. I mean, one of the worst incidents in humanity. After the event, we said, you know, we don't want everybody to have a bomb and then have 2,000 more bombs. Let's find a way to regulate. And we finally had the non-proliferation treaty, which nobody liked, really, because it was spoiling the business. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, it has worked. So, yeah, I I have hope there.
3: And I think the future is us and the choices we make, it's not some abstract you know, reality coming out of nowhere, it's each and right. every one of us and what, who do we vote for, what do we, how do we consume, what do we decide, you know, it's our choices.
0: I suppose to some degree it depends on whether you think that humans are good or bad by nature. You know, always get back to that same question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe in, in general, we, we will do the right thing after we exhausted the other options. <laughs> but I, I generally think, I think that we are capable of doing things that are good for all of us. That's my belief. But of course, it's a philosophical question that will take a lot longer to debate and pulling out the jar of whiskey behind us. But so uh, anyway, uh, if you wish to talk, you can do so. Don't be shy, raise your hand, and then uh, Soha will take you in. Uh, hand raising tool is somewhere in here. I, it's, I think it's under more, uh, or on the iPad on the top left, just raise your hand if you want to speak, then we should be able to get you in here. Um, great, so we'll take the next question, and then we'll go on to the DA, right? So, um, good question number seven, Christophe Bal- Bal- Balisso. How do you build trust when sensible arguments are no longer hurt. Okay. Yeah, please fire away.
3: <laughs> yeah, to me, uh, the answer lies in shared purpose. Uh, so it's about sharing what we, the, the deep values, the, the deep, What is it we're looking for um, as a change in the world? What do we want to contribute to? So it's not necessarily about reason. I I can have lots of rational um, arguments for a case or against it, right? So it's more about how do we connect as humans around a shared purpose? Um, To me, that's the key.
2: Yeah, and I I would, I totally agree. I would add that The biggest danger for the moment is the polarization and I'm talking more about politics than business of course. And if we fall into the trap of polarization responding by exclusion uh, to exclusion, responding by provocation to provocation, by tantrum to tantrum, we're not going to go very far. I'm not saying that we should agree with people who are on those extremes, uh, extreme right or extreme left or extreme whatever, but it's a it's a you know, these people are trying to say something. They are talking about their concerns and their fears. So one thing we should do as leaders, I, I always say there's a big difference between understanding and agreeing, but trying to show respect, understanding, understand the fear behind and, and, and construct with them the way to the future, this shared purpose that you rightly so talk about. Uh, Céline, that would be my, my response.
3: And refraining from participating in the blame game, which is, it's a high game these days, you know, whose fault is it, whose fault is that? And I myself try to refrain from going there because I don't think it's helpful at all.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, from my viewpoint, um, how do you build trust? I think part of that has to do with storytelling. And, you know, of course, that's my background being a musician and, and so on, you know, I tell stories this, but I think it's really important that we tell stories that get people's, attention not just on the intellectual level right i mean you can't build trust to making an argument in spreadsheets yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like uh you, you build trust because you touch people in some way right and trust isn't digital and trust isn't an app it's not a download it's not on youtube it's not on amazon it's not can't be purchased right you have to build trust you know by by creating stories and then backing up the story with good arguments and touching people a little bit deeper. And I think this is one of the things that we are doing now, right? We're building trust and that we are actually, we want to contribute. And this is also why we're doing these events, right? To build trust and not just in us, but in in each other. So that's an important question. So let's move on to the next presentation. Again, uh, the hand raise tool, I'm gonna take a look to see if that's actually active right now, because I don't see anybody raising hands, which is quite unusual. Usually we have full of hands, but uh, let's go to Didier. Please, David, uh, show us uh, your take on leadership in the future.
2: Thank you very much, Gert. I hope you will soon see my screen. Yes, you should see my, Do you see my yeah. screen now? Yeah? All good. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to some very courageous amongst you. <laughs> Anwar, you're one of them, uh, for, for joining us. My job has been for the last 12 years to advise leaders uh, about how to behave and how to lead in what we call the disruption economy. And like you, I never thought I was going to see anything like what we've seen. So I have observed for the past two months, some sometimes unexpected leaders, but people who really raise the level of their game, people who raised to the occasion and who have created a solid difference for their nation, if they are politicians or for their company, if they are uh, executives like most of us are, or for their family in those they love, And when I observed them, most of them have five things in common, which I wanted to share with you. The first one is that they seem to challenge the orthodoxy following which a leader's license to operate is uh, his knowledge or her knowledge and her control of the situation. Well let's call them Corona leaders, know that they don't control anything, that alone there isn't anything they can do, and that on top of that, they're just as lost as we are. You may remember those stickers on American cars in the old days, don't follow me, I'm lost too. That's their mantra for every day in the morning. Um, Contrary to some who stand on the podium, throw tantrums, have this attitude of how can I fly like an eagle when I'm surrounded by turkeys, and then project a video in their honor, uh, the leaders, those corona leaders, display humility and vulnerability. They don't pretend that they know, they know that they don't. And they'll be delighted to invite others to join them to the party and help them out of the pit. Give you one example, I happen to live in Switzerland and I've been quite impressed by the government who rushed on live TV without any safety net, with the press allowed to bombard them questions and basically their attitude at the at the early stages was you know what we never expected anything like this we've never been trained nor prepared for that we're gonna have to go by trial and error and stay with us bear with us we will get out of it together but give us a chance and that created a huge trust and a huge feeling of connection between the leaders and the lead so that's lesson number one lesson number two They are people with their people. They remain present, visible, and reachable. They reduce the power distance. They are not ego-driven. They fight for a higher purpose, their nation, their family, themselves, or their business. And they demonstrate empathy. They really want to understand what are the fears and concerns of their people. Give you an example, a CEO I have the honor, in fact, it's a member of a board I have the honor to work with, has put on his agenda that every day he would call 20 to 30 people all over the world at random uh, amongst his employees and have a genuine, honest conversation. How is it for you? What are you doing? How do you feel? What are your concerns? What are your fears? Etc. Etc. Of course, he will never speak to the several tens of thousands of employees, but you know what? <laughs> the rumor has done its job. Everybody in the company knows that they might be called at any time, at any time, sorry, by the CEO to have a discussion about how they feel. So that's the second thing, they reduce the power distance and they're very present amongst their people. Point number one, because they understand what scares their people, their concern, they can address them. And when I'm saying address, it's not um, solve them. None of the leaders, political or business, will be able to solve the COVID problem by themselves. But they can address, they can allow conversations, dialogues to take place. And more important, they do take a very strong passionate, personal commitment towards their people, on their people's concern. Let me t- talk to you about a company that the Brazilians know called iFood. It's a very fast growing uh, company. I think it's the fastest growing company in Brazil. It's a bit like Uber Eats in the rest of the world with one big difference. They have solid humanistic values and those guys live by those values. The board went out recently and claimed nobody's gonna be fired because of COVID. And more than that, they support their suppliers financially. Um, the Joe Kayser, who is the CEO of Siemens, did exactly the same a few days ago. Nobody will lose their job in Siemens because of COVID. It's going to be difficult. They, they will probably have to reduce their salaries starting from the top and the end. But there's a commitment, and there's a very strong ethical principle-based stand on this. And as a consequence those people tend to create a huge engagement from their people who feel that they are part of the family, they are part of a project, they are not just a bunch of hired guns, they are part of the family, but it also creates a huge goodwill from the public, from the customers and from the suppliers. Lesson number four is not necessarily a lesson from this crisis, it's about what to talk. Those leaders that I'm observing know that people don't listen to what they say but they listen to how they behave what they do they are they know that they are being scrutinized as a consequence they are not into a public relation exercise they are not doing communication they are the message they believe into the message they behave you know behavior is part of their personal brand they behave the message very different from the ministers of health as you know from New Zealand and Scotland, who've been on TV asking people to respect the confinement and were caught by paparazzis into their secondary home for the weekend. Different from this football player of the English squad who was on TV begging people to be reasonable and to think a little bit and respect the confinement, just to head up to pick up two prostitutes on the way home and invite his best friend. These people should be fired if it's not already done. They've completely lost and destroyed their reputation. And finally, I would like to go on the fifth one because I think it relates also to what you said, Gert. It's about how do we, as leaders, but also as citizens, how do we look towards the end of the tunnel? Do we secretly hope for more business as usual, or will we have the courage, the intelligence, the vision, the guts to change the way we do economy? Because you know what? COVID was just a wavelet compared to the rest. A few examples. Alimentary. What's going to happen when the farmers will come and tell us, you know what, no more supply of food? It's all rotten on the field. We couldn't harvest. Inequalities. What do you think will happen when the nurses, the cashiers, and other very humble people who saved our lives and who made our families' lives possible will suddenly wake up and check the salaries of the Neymars, the Messi's, the Mbappe, the NHL, the NBA stars? when they will also look at the salaries of some of us executives, who were totally transparent during the crisis, useless and the best some of the sports people could do was shut up rather than show themselves enjoying life and not respecting at all the confinement. Do we seriously believe that we will continue to be able to have a united society with such differences? It's obscenity. Economics. We will invest trillions of euros and dollars into reshaping the industry. Now, will we throw more money at rundown industries and businesses, or will we reinvent a new, uh, sustainable and fairer economic environment? Take the airlines. Of course we need to travel, and I'm the first one. But will we just bail them out without condition, or will we set them very clear rules, like in five years, none of your jets is flying and polluting at the same time. Ideological question, who is going to win the COVID war? China, when we realize that their scientists are prohibited to share their researches with the rest of the world until it's been approved by the uh, censorship. United States, who's completely lost face by stealing, hijacking face masks paid by other countries. Who's going to win that war? And finally, as Gert said, the, the environment. Will we show, will we display the same lethargy as before? The same lethargy that we have displayed towards the COVID? And it's interesting to see that the presidents and prime ministers, who are climato-skeptics, were also the most, the most COVID-skeptics before it started. And now we see how dearly a price their people pay. Or will we? take it seriously, preempt the crisis, because that tsunami might be far worse, as Gert was saying, than the COVID-19. This is roughly what I've seen, let me quickly summarize, those, I nicknamed them, corona leaders, lead even when they don't know. They reduce the power distance, they take a very strong stand based on their people's fears and concerns, they are their message and they are prepared to reinvent the economy. Enough preaching, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Didier. you stop the share, please? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, this is obviously a huge challenge. I, I take heart from something that I, we've observed in this current crisis. You know, we have, in a way, uh, agreed on things that we would never agree upon in normal circumstances, like staying at home or not working or sharing our money or you know, providing an act of solidarity and so on. And that has been very much a shaping force, I think. And now I think that we've seen that it's possible. Right? And we've seen that, you know, for example, in many countries, there is, in fact, a kind of universal basic income now right? because the government is footing the bill. It's a UBI of some way or the other, right? And now, maybe in the future, we can come to a place where we can say, you know what? We have to do the same for climate change, which requires sacrifices. Like in my case, you know, I did 350 flights in 2019. That would be a huge sacrifice, you know, to pay. I mean, I, I do already do carbon offsetting, but to pay substantially for that, I, I think that's something that is uh, insurmountable. And it's coming now because now we found out that we can do it, right? We have to do it and we can't do it if there's enough reason, right? As I used to say, pain or love, that's the only way that humans change, pain or love, <laughs> right? Uh, and the combination of those two. So, Celine, any comments on Didier's talk? You're going to share the slides with us later, right? Did you? Yeah.
2: Yes, they will be shared. Uh, so has them and we'll send them to all of you who've registered.
3: Yeah. My mm-hmm. comment is that all of what you're saying was already relevant in the past. Uh, corona is just making it more, it's, it exacerbates uh, the qualities of good leadership. And good leadership starts also again with each and every one of us. What choices, who, who do we follow? Who do we try to mimic, replicate? Who who's inspires us? Yeah.
0: You know, I think at the end of next year, we're going to sit here and say, these people turned out to be true leaders, like, you know, Mandela type leaders, or Gandhi type leaders, or, you know, people who have taken us to a whole different place. Uh, and we're going to see them emerge in this crisis. And they may be some people that we haven't even thought about. And they may be people who are not even currently in government. Right. I mean, they, they could be all over the place. I think this is one of the things that really makes me worried uh, that it would go the opposite, right? So i uh, uh, clamming down. But, but then again, I see all, lots of good other fans. We have a hand raise. So we're going to take Christophe Roger. Um, Christophe, if you're ready to talk, uh, please go ahead and fire up your video as well. And remember, you're live on YouTube. Hello, do you hear me? Yes, we do.
4: Okay, because I am not at ease with Zoom, so it's okay, I, I will speak. So I think, um, I will take the image of a sailing boat. I think uh, a guy in a sailing boat, he knows where he wants to go, but he has not a drive motor to enforce it. So he has to build on the energy, the environment, the energy, the waves, the wind, etc., and try to make the best out of it but then the reward is he will do it not spending all his energy on on gas and i think with the team uh, i I think it's the same Uh, the the leader who can detect where there is energy momentum and build on it reorient it a little bit in some cases towards the goal they are really the long-term winners Uh, and uh, also it's the same with environmental Uh, the countries who can build on what they have available around them for whatever purpose, Uh, feeding the population uh, uh, or even uh, uh, building some uh, raw materials with with the ones that are available. So that's that's why I come back to the the picture. I like this uh, this sailing uh, boat uh, versus uh, drive motor boat that is enforcing uh i like this picture because you 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 build on the momentum instead of trying to to force
0: great yeah very good comment i love that picture i should take a slide out of that or some sort of animation <laughs> thanks very much christophe for joining in anybody want to respond yeah Didier or celine well there was
2: there was a, a, a one of the comments um, on the flow of comments. Uh, Gert. by the way, do we get also a copy of all these questions and comments from the people? Yes. Okay, there was one of the comments saying it's about adaptability, it's about the adaptable leader and also when you were saying earlier maybe the heroes of today, you know, from hero to zero, yeah, some of them will fail, some of them will disappoint uh, and some of them will continue to surprise us and I, I like that uh, metaphor very much. Um, you know, it's, it's more environmental friendly and not because it's a sailing boat versus a, a gas boat. That would be a bit stupid, but it's it goes with, it doesn't force, it doesn't rape, it doesn't uh, make a violence. It just it just goes with the flow. So I, I like the, the metaphor, yes.
3: So another comment that also was very good. Is, uh, somebody said, it's not about leaders, it's about leadership. Uh, yes. Let, let's, because uh, we often, tend to project you know the ideal qualities in the leader right? and it we're, we're all humans right so yeah, yeah. i was going
0: to say actually you know we are so different kinds of leaders yeah. with different exactly. strengths and different powers and this is why we need more than than one we need many many more i've i proposed years ago when my book came out uh, to uh, to uh, start a global digital ethics council you know because of technology taking over everything basically and now i'm rethinking really i'm thinking like what we need now is a great transformation council. <laughs> you know, It's, it's people who, who are going to say, you know what? I Let's sit down and talk like the ancient Greek about what is possible now that we are rebooting and not waste the moment. Like, you know, should we support the airplane industry? Absolutely. But should we make them go back to what they were before? I don't think so. You know, what kind of decisions do we make? Do we have the right leaders? Could there be emerging? Could we have more than one Greta? You know, could we have a council like this? I mean, I think these questions are popping up everywhere and people are finally open. I mean, it's interesting people are open to the debate of a a global government even now. And many of them of course is polarizing, but ultimately we're seeing on these issues like COVID and also of of course climate change, that either we're gonna get to a global solution like uh, Guterres said, right? Or we're not gonna get to a solution. And if we don't get to a solution, then uh, I'm afraid that wouldn't fare very well for us. Do we have any other urgent questions or should we move on to the next session? There's a couple of uh, interesting uh, questions. I, I agree here with uh, You Mendez, know, we should not talk about men or women. I totally agree. I just think it's really important to, um, to look at the history of all these discussions, which were so male dominated by in so many ways. And, and now we're moving to a place where we clearly are seeing the, you know, the really interesting stuff happening in crisis right now is, is there. Uh, so I just, I, 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 yeah, please. So, sorry, I'm I'm interrupting
2: yeah. you. Um, no, jump dropping. Um, th- that's just a technical glitch. Apparently, there are a few people who are sick and tired of seeing my face. They say I'm very handsome, but they would like to see the face of everybody.
5: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I yeah, completely okay, agree yeah, with know, them. Okay. You guys are really courageous okay, to put up with it. <laughs> Let me put a black uh, uh, thing ob- uh, over you here. So I cover you <laughs> off. So you make up for all the face time you got from people. <laughs> yeah, I have to, uh, we have to switch back to the speaker view. I mean, uh, it's obviously uh, funny to see that, uh, you know, while we're talking, we sometimes forget about technology, which is a good thing, I suppose, right? <laughs> so let's answer one question and then we go to Celine, yes? Um, so is, uh, let's see, where do we start with this? Uh, yeah, so Evo. Cot- Knotner-Russ says, it's already clear the EU is failing in the COVID crisis. There's no future uh, of Europe in this form. EU needs to reinvent itself and so on. Yeah, I I totally understand your message. I read Yanis Farofakis' post last week on this whole issue about the Eurobonds and stuff. I don't usually sympathize with many things he says, but but clearly this this is now hitting home. But I would forecast in the next two weeks, the EU is going to make a pivot on this. Uh, also, because they're seeing, you know, again, what's happening in America, they do absolutely nothing and Trump denies everything and then he pulls out $2 trillion. You know? <laughs> and and what we have in Europe is exactly the opposite. We did everything right, like in Germany, Switzerland, uh, Scandinavian countries. You know, we, we flattened the curve, but now we're not pouring out the money. Right? And I think, I think we're going to see the EU, EU flip around. That's my hope. And, you know, let's, let's see if that comes true. Um, maybe we'll send them a. Uh, a quick uh, email on this topic all right then so uh celine please take it away
3: Thank is there one question from Steph coming
0: i forward? think so is having somebody yeah uh... who
5: uh,
2: Soha is.
0: oh yeah there's a, there's a there's a hand raise yeah you want to take it steph for okay please fire away steph if you are allowed to talk you show video that's good keep it short please and to the point yeah,
5: sure i was wondering whether you have a vision on how democracies might uh, evolve uh, knowing that now you know we go to uh, voting polls every four or
2: five years and um, well with uh, the time now at hand that uh, this crisis will probably take and the years it will take to you know overcome this uh, economic uh, uh, crisis how do you see
5: uh, democracies evolving? Because I think uh, in a four to five year span, not much can be done. If, if ever, you know, um, parties change, uh,
2: visions change uh, every four or five years, it's going to be impossible to have a clear leadership uh, towards a certain goal in, in, in my uh, perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyone? But, you know, my, my view on this is that I envision some sort of a digital democracy. Uh, in many ways, what we have here in Switzerland, we're voting on everything. Every three months, we get a big pack, you know. If we could have that on big issues, but digitally so we can interact and discuss. And, you know, I think that would be a very big uh, piece of progress. Also, of course, different regulation on funding campaigns and those kind of things. Um, Clearly, um, I think there's so many things that we could improve as far as democracy is concerned. But currently, I kind of feel like we're getting a jump start on the discussion of what it could be in the future based on a common understanding of what we want. This is one of the key issues, I think, when you talk about government. The key question is really, what do we want? Yeah? Not what can we have, but what do we want to be? Um, and that answer, you know, I, I don't have the presentation ready. But I, I showed last week in my, in my talk, I showed the American flag with you know, money is the most important thing in the U.S. economy, so it's sort of a, a basically corporate capitalism, right? And Europe, it's primarily about humans, so that's a kind of social capitalism, right? And then we go east, and then it's China is the state capitalism, right? And, and ultimately, I think this is the question about what we want uh, and how do we most importantly get there. I think, again, democracy is under a big test right now, um, And this is why it's good that we're talking about this and we're we're doing these things to ask those questions. Celine.
3: All right. Yes,
0: thank you. Uh, We have two more hand raises, but we'll go back to that again uh, later. So let's go to Celine.
3: Okay, can you see my my screen? Yep. Wonderful. So I'm very glad and honored uh, to be here. Thanks, Gerd and Didier. Uh, I am uh, locked down in Lyon friends, with my family, and trying to make the most of this uh, experience. Um, I'm an, uh, an advisor in engagement leadership, building on a long experience in um, in organizations around the world. And before I say anything, I'd like to express my sympathy to those most affected by COVID. Uh, you know, the uh, patients and their families and, and workers on the front line and uh, uh, people who've lost, lost their jobs, and, um, and to leaders in organizations. I feel this is probably the most complicated time ever. So I, I hope uh, my experience with engagement and leadership and change communities uh, can help. Right. Um, so one thing I'd like to stress right away is that switching to remote digital work, like most of us have done over the last few weeks, is only a part of the transformation work. Uh, More is needed to reinvent interactions at work, uh, control, innovation, and leadership, right? And uh, for this, impactful digital communities are essential. And for a long time, there has been a misleading narrative around uh, leadership or even around change Uh, And this misleading narrative cultivates the idea of a a visionary, decisive, uh, followership-generating, lone agent, standing above others through his or her personal character traits. Um, Most often he is that, by the way. Um, And many of us understand the fallacy behind this this, uh, great man theory. And yet, as societies, we often fall for this leadership stereotype. Um, In fact, in the complex adaptive systems we live in, characterized by entanglement, and that's a a reference here to Dave Snowden, uh, in the the living systems we are part of as workers, as citizens, um, and that's a reference here to Fritjof Capra, uh, Person or leader alone can solve problems beyond a minimal level of complicatedness. Uh, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. That's it. We are, um, work, you know, as uh, said by our regretted esco Kilpi, is increasingly understood as interaction rather than job or organizational activity. And even leadership is contextual and relational. We are all parts of multiple networks, and through John Husband's uh, seminal hierarchy concept or its application in frameworks such as John Carter's dual operating model or through um, self-management experiments, practice and thought leadership around networks has greatly, I mean, in the last 20 years, has greatly changed or evolved the way we think about organizations and leadership. And at the same time, technology revolutions have enabled a greater interconnection of the world, as we all know. Uh, Networks shape the way we think, we uh, vote, we consume, we behave. And leadership takes place in this context, right? Now, for a long time, organizations have considered large numbers as audiences. Um, And the flow of communication was mostly unidirectional from Uh, leaders to employees, from companies to consumers, from uh, elected leaders to citizens, from top to bottom. Right? An audience is a passive target that must be entertained or convinced. Today, there's a shift um, in words, if not in action, towards communities. Uh, It's a shift from passive to active, from audiences to co-creators, all right? Um, and twenty the modern leaders actually pull communities together, not around them, though. They, um, they are catalysts for connection, for new points of uh, coherence, for new points of new meaning, right? It's leadership by convening. And throughout the work I've been involved in over the last 10 years, I have seen in the most successful communities the following key patterns at play. Uh, they they go from instead of spreading a message, pushing a message, they pull people together. Uh, they go beyond, they they do not target brains only, but hearts and souls and sense of purpose. Uh, they go beyond messaging and create a space for action. They truly consider people as co-creators, as active participants. Uh, They do not segment, but bridge and connect. Uh, They expand sense-making from experts and executives to everyone. They open up perspectives and they release control and create uh, more space for, for freedom because freedom is a great enabler. Uh, I have applied those principles myself in several change communities in the vaccine industry, or the airline industry, and we'll be happy to share links to, uh, to, towards resources, case studies, um, community management resources, uh, if you'd like to study further, or one of my favorite books, uh, The Structure of Belonging by Peter Block. Now, what does COVID change to this? COVID challenges a lot of things. It challenges the way we work, the way we build trust and bonding. And in this context, uh, strong, impactful communities are even more necessary than before. So everything I said, I just said, remains uh, much needed and necessary and valid. But what else uh, can we do? I'm thinking of three simple things. The first thing is, systemic leadership. Adapt your practice to the principles of complex systems. I just wrote a post about that, so we'll be happy to share the link as well. Um, It speaks about distributing cognition, about disintermediation, uh, that kind of things. Really study how complex systems work and make sure that you do not uh, go against those, uh, some of those principles by, by um, too much rigidity or that kind of things, right? Uh, the second is digital diversity. Leverage a broader range of digital tools. Uh, going digital is not just about doing Zoom calls. It is time to use asynchronous channels, enterprise social networks, wikis etc for all they can do that is a lot use this opportunity today to reinvent conversations to reinvent how you interact and do business together and third pay attention to the quality of your presence it is not about being there or cheerleading anymore it is about injecting a lot of life and a lot of energy in a system that is being cut off by physical distancing. So the way you show up as a contributor to the community matters more than ever. Now, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, What will you do or what do you do now to keep your community alive, to to make it even more impactful now? Um, How do you uh, inject life uh, there? How do you dance with complexity
0: right (laughs) great great thanks very much celine uh thanks very much for sharing all of these things Uh, there's so many points here i like the bullets you made and not going from the old to the new i I made a screenshot i'm going to bring it back in later but uh obviously that's kind of like a, a schedule of the things we could be doing i want to share a comment that we have here on youtube um, on, on this whole discussion uh, you know, as, as we're going live on YouTube, people are having comments on YouTube as well. So one of them, Idris Boussari says, by modeling Estonia, can other countries of the world implement e-strategies uh, to enrich civil engagement? So on this whole question about leadership of countries, Estonia keeps popping up a lot uh, in, the, in the whole debate. Any, any feedback on Estonia? I think that's maybe somebody from Estonia. Is that a model for e-government? Celine, are they doing this? Are they doing this sort of social way I, of interacting?
3: Yeah, I'm not uh, familiar enough, but I hear a lot of great things about Estonia. So I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yeah, I think this is obviously, uh, I mean, it's a very, very small country. And it's interesting to see they have they have digital passports that do the voting. Uh, And and you can apply to the citizen online, I think, right, in Estonia, which is an interesting take on on things. But uh, anybody has a hand raise? We'll take Claudia shortly here. If you uh, want to debate, please do come in. I'm going to take another look at the questions here, okay? Um, There is a quote here from um, François Lavallée, uh, from Yves Lusignan, a, a futurist. He says, today is not the end of yesterday, but the beginning of tomorrow. Uh, and she wanted me to comment on that, or you guys to comment on that. I think it's kind of obvious, right? <laughs> I mean, we are. This is this is how I live my life in so many ways. Um, it, it is, however, funny. I think for me also to realize how many unexpected things have happened in the last few years. You know, so Trump, of course, Brexit, COVID, uh, and, and it's really. I think the future has, has never been less. Uh, how can I say like you know you say something, and before you know it, something has changed right uh th- but there's a few things I think that are remaining, but it's it 's definitely something where it teaches you to be humble about predictions um that uh that may or may not be as easy to do. Any comment on this uh on this content the beginning of tomorrow I think it's a good uh, good comment here. We have a second another one that we should take here. Um by Alice deschamps, the concern of global leadership at worldwide level seems a, a no brainer but how do we make it happen when politicians take easy isolation positions? How do we make that happen i th- you know i I think this is something where we we, we made it more than politicians <laughs> you know this is uh i mean it 's interesting I, yeah I, please i
3: would as long as we wait from others to bring the solutions we're, we're we're doomed as long as we wait for a hero a savior a, a you know somebody will solve that it won't work
0: good point uh, I, did you yeah i really agree i it reminds
2: me it's a slightly different topic but i think it's at the end it's getting the same place i've done a piece of work for a big Brazilian company on uh, ethics uh, because they were plagued by lack of ethics, people stealing, blah, blah, blah. And um, the short study I had done showed that taking Europe as as the point of reference, a bit egocentrically, uh, countries that had gone uh, over the crisis of 2008, 2009, and were back to decent numbers, were also countries where there was a very high civil sense and countries that were still struggling with the, the crisis and still in the reds with their budget, were a country where noticeably corruption levels were higher. And, you know, when you study that in a discussion with the, with the people, it's, it has a lot to do with education and with exemplarity. Um, so going back to respond to that question, I um, totally agree with Celine. We can't expect others to do it for us. We have to do it. We have to do our job, not only as leaders, but as citizens and, and educate people around us, um, role model and that, that's going to be the only way and the and sole way I can see. And once again, I remind you, not fall into the trap of polarization because then, then we're stuck.
0: Great. We have, a, we have a talking request here, Claudia. Are you there? Are you ready to yes. roll? Hello, okay.
6: hi, good afternoon everybody. Thank you very much for this very informative webinar and Celine, thank you so much for your very profound analysis. I've known you for a long time and it's really a pleasure to follow you in your in your curve and your evolution. I really, really appreciate it. I wanted to just comment and ask you a question on your second point on the digital diversity, uh, which is so relevant. I mean, we have all seen uh, to a different degree, you know, from one week to the next, we were all thrown and propelled into all these new tools. Um, some companies were already, you know, digitally uh, developed. Others, they were struggling and they had to set things up. So your suggestion is to embrace this change and to use it as a way to experiment and to not just focus on one tool, but like, you know, to find the perfect tool, but just like to try all the different things. And I understand, I understand that, but um, isn't there a risk also that, you know, there might be, too much and too many and i speak for personal experience in our organizations we are now deploying and all of a sudden from one day to the next using all sorts of things for internal comms for external comms for members comms for um you know more uh, for for all sorts of purposes um this creates also sometimes some redundancy because some people are confused and so they they share the same content on all the channels, you know, via email and on the, and on the different teams and, and Yammer and what have you. So what, you know, in your experience, in your long experience, you know, in organizational change and in, you know, in digital platforms, like what is there like at some point, like a minimum number or like, you know, what, how do you find the balance so that we are more efficient, we are better connected, but we're not dispersed.
3: Yes. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Claudia. It was great to have you here. Um, I feel first there's a learning curve, which is totally normal. And it's, it's messy these days. And it's, it's normal. Um, Big kudos to all the IT departments, which have enabled a a huge switch, like for thousands and hundreds of thousands of people overnight to work from home. Uh, So it's not perfect. Some people were better prepared than others, but there's, there's this learning curve. It will come. Now, if a company has a strong enough purpose and vision, uh, equipped enough people uh, to, to deal with those tools, I think it can be fine. The risk is fragmentation of conversations, um, and it's a real risk. So it pay, it takes efforts to reconvene, recombine, etc. But there, the diversity of tools doesn't scare me because it enables a it's a it enables a multi-channel approach where some people will be more comfortable with that tool other people with that other tool etc redundancy is not good must be avoided posting the same content on all channels is not great It's the same as what you do personally if you you like to post a picture you most people will not post the same on linkedin and facebook and instagram and pinterest right they will diversify the content so that's it. And it comes with learning, with, with habits, experiments. So I'm, I think this will be the case as well in, in organizations. But definitely we need to move away from pure Zoom, uh, presential, uh, synchronous conversation, because that's exhausting. People will die you know, out of that. It will create so much more burnout than, uh, than expected. So it's not good. So we need to, to learn about everything else. There's much more tools for collective intelligence
0: yeah if I can chime in here, you know I think it 's really important to see that uh, technology will not be the savior of anything right, right? I mean you know it 's f- so funny the last seven years I, I I get thousands of calls about speaking about digital transformation and all that stuff, right but in the end, these are just tools right, mm-hmm. and I can use a hammer to build a house or I can go I can go kill the neighbor you know it, these are just tools, so technology is not going to save us from the things that are wrong. The biggest thing is about culture, I think Peter Drucker once said. Uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, in which case I would say culture eats technology for breakfast. This is all about culture, how we interact, and every company is different. You know, I used to be a musician, and I played many bands, and every band is like a little country, you know, a, a little company. Everybody is completely different, and then you go this band, and there's a completely different pecking order, and people are improvising, not improvising. And this is what I think about technology. Some companies are fine with using many different things at the same time, It's just the flow is there, right? And other companies can't even get one thing to work, right? So uh, it's all about the flow. And this is also uh, going to our earlier point about different kinds of leaders. There are some leaders that are more chaotic and more inspirational and not as practical. Uh, And then, like, you know, Salesforce has two CEOs, right? Why do they have two CEOs? Uh, Because Mark is a certain kind of person. And he realizes he's not the other kind of person. So they have two CEOs, right? They have two leaders, right? And I, I think this, i think it's something that we need to think about in the future of uh, of work and how we um, how we collaborate. I want to do a poll, and then there's a, a few more hand raised here. Rod Cardwright will take you next, so please do get ready. Um, we'll do the poll first, and then we'll go to Rod. Okay, so get ready with your video and whatever you got cooking there. So this poll is about leadership during the crisis. How do you feel about current leaders? Um, you have multiple choices here. There's 10 questions. So we'd like to know how you feel. This is actually a very good uh, connection with everything else that has been said. I, I just saw on YouTube a comment that says, will it be the bureaucrats that win, not the, not the population? Right? And of course, this is a standard question about the European Commission. But let's uh, see what your feeling is about this. Uh, please go ahead and vote. Yeah, don't be lazy. Put out your finger. Uh, so we can see right now, okay, yeah, keep up the voting process. So uh, the possible answers of lack in leadership, uh, the crisis, maybe less of a crisis in Scandinavia or New Zealand, my favorite pet example by now. Very nice place to go, by the way. <laughs> so, yes, it's like an island of something else there. But, you know, no chance to go there for quite some time, I don't think. <laughs> So keep voting, please, and I will I will close that uh, uh, I will close that and um, share the results shortly. So 93 people have voted. Keep up the voting, please, please, please keep up the voting. Right now, is a, a lot of consensus here. The EU is really lacking. Yeah, that's kind of the analysis of the day, I suppose. Right. Um, this crisis a total reset and will empower, what's the rest of the sentence? I can't even see the rest of the sentence here. Um, so we'll leave that hanging. Um, and the other one is that it's totally clear we are lacking leadership right now. Um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, this is an interesting result and I think I'll make it public here very, very soon um, before we go to the talk. And by the way, we'll publish the polls also, of course, on the website featurewithgert.com shortly. While we're still waiting for the poll to wrap up, Celine, uh, can you tell us where people can find out more about you?
3: Sure. They can find out more about me on my website, which is dot, dot, uh, weneedsocial.com.
0: Okay. And yeah. uh, Didier?
3: And there's a French version, by the way, we need uh-huh, okay. <laughs>
0: uh Oh, okay.
2: People can find me on my website. It's either Didier, um, how do you call it? Um, middle bar <laughs> marlier m-a-r-l-i-e-r dot com or our company's website enablers with an e and not with an u enablersnetwork.com and otherwise as some of you already know be very very careful there's another man running around with the same <laughs> face as mine but he's not me he is the most famous bdsm foreign actor
0: in the US and his
2: name is Mark David. So don't confuse us both because we look very much alike,
5: unfortunately.
0: Yeah, how can there be anybody else with, with your face? That's not possible. Right? And doing that job right. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, thanks for the warning there. So uh, we are all members of the Features Agency. That's, uh, that's an organization that does keynotes and seminars and we can be booked together, you know, if you're so inclined to do it virtually and even in person, if that should ever be possible again. So I'm going to end the poll and share the results so you can have a look and see what people are feeling, right? The crisis is a total reset. I think we all agree on that one, right? The crisis will empower the wrong people. That's good, not too many people on this. A new group of leaders is coming in. The EU is really lacking. Yeah, we got a good, a good mix of people. I see good crisis uh, leadership in Scandinavia New Zealand. But not otherwise. Interesting result, yeah. Let's keep this uh, standing for a while. We'll publish that. And let's go to uh, who shall we go to? Uh, Anwar, yes, or Rod? I think let's go for Rod first because they're both waiting there. right? So, Rod Cartwright, please fire away. Are you still there? Oh, yeah.
7: There I am. Can you, can you, you hear can. me now? Yeah, we can. Fantastic. I'm not sure how I follow on from Didier's doppel- doppelganger story, but I'll give it a go. Um, and I'll also add myself to the Celine fan club. Uh, a typically wonderful presentation, Celine. Um, I just had a question, which is one of our historians in the UK said there's going to be um, BC and AC, which is before Corona and after Corona. And I wonder whether things are actually that Binary. I'm a big fan of dialectics and if you kind of look at what was already happening with ESG and Six Capital reporting it's not as if the seeds aren't there for us to pick up where we left off and to use those streams of thought to actually um, drive forward a positive agenda rather than going we have to reinvent everything as if post-corona was day one of a new history so i just wonder your thoughts on that, that dialectics point
0: yeah i mean very good i think you know basically some things will be completely rebooted and other ones not much i mean you think about for example if you're on the cruise ship business that it's unlikely you're going to get any reboot whatsoever right but when we think about energy now all of a sudden i mean this is a giant boost in the arm for for sustainability right because we're finding out, A, we can do with less, right? And B, we're finding out that it, it's still workable. And C, we like the skies without airplanes. Uh, and the pollution is going down. So we found, we're finding out that it's working, right? And we also know that an emergency like COVID, you know, is right here and now. People are dying of that today. But the next one is kind of palpable. palpable. You know, we can feel that climate change is going to go in the same direction. So uh, I think some things will go back to that kind of what they were before, But other things like work, right, like how we share, how we interact, that has fundamentally changed my job to go on a big stage and speak is fundamentally changed by this. And I don't think I will go back in any sort of large way anytime soon, maybe in a couple of years, but I will probably never travel in the same way again as as I used to because the whole context is changing. Also, on that note, before I uh, pass on to you guys, I think we're now seeing the end of oil as one of the, major outputs of this crisis, right? The oil prices down, 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 down. People are divesting. And now we're finding out, yeah, this is something we have to do. We have to get out of oil and gas as part of this discussion about the crisis. You know, it, it'll be painful, but we can do it. Uh, and that has become much more tangible. So some, some industries will never be the same. And other ones will have a chance of recovering in different ways or completely reinventing. So airlines, yeah, it's one of those topics. You, know, you don't know what to think about that one. Other comments from you guys?
3: I feel a number of good things are born from this crisis, Uh, like the intentionality, uh, the efforts we put in connecting with others or reconnecting with uh, families, friends, etc. So I think this this is something that will leave a mark into the way we behave, we, we interact. I I hope uh, it will not be balanced by selfishness or, you know, when the crisis gets deeper, um, people putting themselves switching into a survival mode. I I hope not. I hope this intentionality that is being um, born out of this crisis stays. And how will it um, affect? And, and shape you know, the, the kids, the teenagers who are going through this crisis as, as young people. I don't know, but I'm very curious to see that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, a summary for me would be basically, yeah, I think it will be before and after Corona in good ways and in bad ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see it as a major sort of reboot of thinking. And also, as Celine was saying, I think we're now finding out there's certain things that are really important to us and, and, and they've come back into focus. And we're not going to just forget about it. Yeah, I I think that is my hope that we have a driver there. Let's take another question from Anwar. Uh, if you're there, Anwar, please uh, fire away, uh, and then we go back to the to the uh, to the questions as so, well. And then we're going to wrap up in about eight minutes. Anwar. So my my
5: my question really relates to the leadership issue, right? So we've talked about how there is a lack of leadership on the political side, and then we've talked about how there is a lot of leadership available on the corporate side, on the NGOs, etc. Um, I don't see, and my question to you is, really, how are you going to see a change if we don't change political systems? Because you've got incompetence in politics and you've got competence in corporate. Obviously, politicians are incompetent because they have, they have never run anything. And anybody who's a politician only hires people who love him. And then he takes over a job where 50% of the people want to get rid of him. And he's never had that experience. How do you manage people? They, they don't have the ability. So how is political change going to happen? Because I don't see any change happening positive from COVID unless we see a political change and we bring competence into politics.
3: I'd like to say yeah. there's a lot of incompetence in the corporate world too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can, I can attest to that one. <laughs> That's not unique. Uh, uh, yeah, did you? Yeah, thank you,
2: Anwar. It's nice to hear you. It's been such a long time. Um, I, I also think, you know, I don't disagree with everything you said. I also agree with Celine that incompetence is also widely shared in other places, um, in professional sports, in, uh, in, in, in corporate businesses. Um, I also believe it's... Um, it's a matter of, of where we are. Um, Goethe has named some of them. I've seen really, really competent people in the public sector. Giving you an example, and somebody here is gonna say Switzerland again. I'm sorry, this is where I live, although I'm Belgian, Brazilian, everything you want. Um, you know, in Switzerland, for example, the government decided to lend uh, several billions to the businesses that were just about to die from one day to the other. But rather than keep that in the hands, Of the administration, which would have made a chaos of it. Can you imagine suddenly thousands of businesses asking the public sector, the the, the administration, uh, for for a loan of money to read their financial statements, etc., would have been a mess. What did they do? They said, no, no, your banks know you. We'll support the banks. Go and ask your bank. Your banker will lend you the money if he thinks you're worth it, and he will not if he doesn't think you're not worth it. So, I'm just giving you that example, saying, well, it's, it's not everywhere the same and going, I, I think there is hope uh, in New Zealand. Uh, I heard now in Estonia, uh, in Belgium, in Switzerland, in, uh, you know, in Korea, in, in Taiwan, in many other places, there is hope even in a political world in, in all the, the emails, uh, sorry, the blogs are right, which are on the stone that what you've just heard. I'm always impressed that there's an increasing number of people agreeing and willing and wishing to do something about, about the future. And I think we're going back to the same point, Hence, Let's not wait that the politicians change something. Let's, let's make the change ourselves. And I know it's an easy way out, but I don't, I don't have a better way.
0: We have a good comment here from Willie Scholl saying that, you know, we have to be careful of wishful thinking. Uh, clearly, I mean, of course, this is, my, this is the disease of my job. Uh, it's that, you know, we, we want a desirable future, so then we wish to create it, and that becomes wishful thinking sometimes. But, but I think that uh, if, we, if we go a little bit into the future and we're seeing the most likely things to happen from this crisis or in general, you know, then we can go back and build the future that we want. You know? As Celine was saying, really, the future doesn't just drop down on us. You know, it's not something that is done somewhere in space. You know, it's it's something that we make every day. We want different politicians and we have to stop voting for the other ones. Uh, we have to pull their plugs and we have to get active and, and say, you no, know, I, I always say that every politician should have a driver's license for the future. Every politician should pass a future test. You know, mm-hmm. how many people could pass that, uh, whether it's their fault or not? I think, you know, Larry Lessig in the U.S. Uh, suggested a... Uh, a a way of funding politicians not public funds so we stop corruption i mean all these things are are yeah and why do we have Bolsonaro and people like this who are obviously not looking in the right direction not pretty much anywhere right i mean there is something that gets them into the flow of things you know and that's something that we can work on you know and this is why we have some countries where it's worse and other countries where it's where it's better but generally speaking i do i do see a positive trend look at the list of politicians i showed earlier
3: yeah and i also believe we can also run for election if we want better politicians Then, then let's get our hands dirty Uh, but also there are other uh, areas for political action and change in the corporate world for example is a deeply political kind of work Uh, or change in your local community or etc you know so there's there's not just one space which is the national election space for political action everything is political
0: we have one more hand raise. we'll do that and then we'll do a final poll please don't go away stay tuned we're not gonna have commercials but it kind of sounds like it so katie katie are you there you can pipe in and and do video as well if you're still there katie yes i'm here okay good please ask your question
3: I'm sorry, uh, I think I made a mistake, huh? I didn't want to take it, so sorry for that.
0: <laughs> okay, don't worry about it. We'll put you straight on mute and go to the questions, uh, to the to the poll. So we have a final poll coming up. And this is where we would uh, like to know how you feel about the event, uh, and uh, what your feeling is about how this could work. We are working very hard in finding a format that will work for our clients, for speaker agencies, for ourselves and for all the members of the futures agency uh, to figure out what the new format is behind all of that online stuff. I mean, right now I'm getting about 50 invitations for webinars per day. So I'm sure, I'm sure you're in the same position. This is why we're trying to make a bit of a difference in how we use these tools. Right? So again, um, the final edit of this uh, conversation will be live on YouTube in about two hours. Uh, that's GerTube.com. That's the shortcut for my YouTube channel. Um, and on my blog feature with gerd g e r d like gastrointestinal reflux disease, you know kind of the same uh, in fact i 'm the second rating on Google after the disease, which makes me proud uh, <laughs> so uh, keep up uh, keep up the voting here yeah, that's very good eighty five already voted um, also want to thank Zoom for helping us with this setup. Uh, I want to thank everybody also soa well for moderating and all of the great people at the Futures Agency, and of course, Didier and Celine for giving this a try. Next week, we have a pretty amazing session that's gonna be totally different than anything we've done. It is a a battle of ideas between a humanist, that would be me, I guess, and a transhumanist, Callum Chase, who is a uh, very well-known author of science fiction books and a really clear speaker about transhumanism, artificial intelligence, also a member of the Futures Agency. But Callum believes, for example, that uh, organisms are algorithms and that humans are essentially machines and preventuses. So therefore, the, mer- the merging of man and machine is imminent. And I don't believe that. So it's gonna be a powerful debate. We're gonna do it in a virtual room on, on Zoom. That's exactly a week from now. You can find more uh, d- d- details on this at uh, the conference.digital, which is our new website where we we'll list all the upcoming events. So that's good. You have been voting. Let me, uh, yeah, there's a few more stragglers here voting. If you have any ideas about future events that you would like to know about uh, that you would like us to address, then please do send an email. You're going to get an automatic follow-up email within a day with all the links and all that stuff. It's part of the the Zoom setup. Okay, I'm going to end the poll and show it to some people. If you want to vote, do it now. Yeah, okay, thank you. So I'm going to share the results. So thank you, the speakers were great, I agree. You know, I, I think we rocked. <laughs> thank you not for, for saying anything else. That's that's, uh, that's a good thing to hear, the interaction was cool. I'd be willing to pay, yeah, well, that's not surprising. I think the, uh, the willingness to pay for events is a different discussion. We've had that before, sound and video was good and not too many tech issues, which was interesting. Huh? So bear with us and stick around for the conference.digital. Again, next week, entirely different format. This will be a battle of ideas and, and no presentations, just going straight to the, uh, uh, well, not presentations in the traditional sense. Right? And then we're announcing something else next week on the larger version of this online conference uh, that we call the Future Show. So you can stay by for this one. And uh, thanks again for everything. Thanks, Celine, Celine Didier.
3: Thank you. Soha.
0: Yeah, Soha. Thank you very much. You're hiding there behind the screen, but I know you're there. There you are. The robots are back. Okay. Thanks very much for sticking around. So. Um, thank you,
3: everyone.
0: Yeah. See you down the road and be well. Thank you. Thank you.